You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. It is uh, Friday and it's still summertime in Sweden and my name is Annette Nilsson. I work as a development strategist in the region Jönköping. I also work at Sala with the national uh, program and I have some international interest. And today I'm really looking forward to have a, a dialogue and I'm curious to have this with Charlotta Lasdotter and I will name you Lotta. So would you please like to introduce yourself? Sure, thank you. Yes, I'm Lotta Lasdotter. I'm a general practitioner. I came to this region 87 for my internship and also finished my residency here. And I am since four years, I'm the CEO for the region's own primary health care, which includes uh, about 30 healthcare centers and I have 25 uh, managers that I uh, support in our yeah. work. And I can see your smile when you say it and your eyes are so engaged, so I can see you like what you're doing. I really like my job, yes I do. Yes. So Lotta, we will have a dialogue around coaching and I think, what, or what do you think about to have this dialogue in three perspectives? So we could have one perspe perspective more private. Lotta, who are you and your personal toolbox for doing this? And we can have one perspective when you are in the physician role. And we can have one when you are a manager for this, uh, a director for this uh, public health primary care system with all these managers. What do you think about that? Sounds good. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Lotta, would you like to start to tell us a little about uh, your journey and insights around coaching? What has formed you to be Lotta? Mm. Well, I think uh, my family is, uh, is very important for this. My mother was a very strong woman. She was a nurse and she had an independent work as a district nurse and she was very strong in her personality and in her way of coaching elderly people. But also mm. she was very engaged in at least two different organizations. Uh, one was about outdoor life and the other was about international relations. Uh, so uh, our whole family was involved in these, these organizations since I was a child. And she raised lots of money and she educated young um, mothers and fathers to become leaders for these groups and this was always in our home and also she had eight sisters so i had eight or nine wow. aunts that's also, amazing yeah they have also formed me yeah. and also my father he was uh, more of a shy person mm -hmm. uh, and he was very gentle and generous so mm -hmm. he had a totally different other personality but the two of them together has formed me Rather much, I think. Mm. Would you say you, you are aware about what has formed you and have you been reflecting around your how you learned your coaching skills or is it just inside you or, or what's your thoughts around that? I think it's both. Yeah. Since I early saw them being leaders and also when I became a young doctor, I was early very interested in gender 
and uh, I had a good role model there in Babo Dalbom Hall. It's a well-known person that has worked very much with female doctors. So the gender perspective has come early to me also. So it's uh, through other people, it's, it's, it's a part of being aware and some of it just came through me. Also being a middle sibling with an older brother and younger sister, I was early a leader. I know that. I was early very outgoing, doing things that I wanted and felt secure. I was in the US for four weeks when I was 11 in a camp with oh, international dear. kids and I was in, uh, in, at, at, the uh, at uh, high school when I was 17 in the US for a year. So I've been rather secure in myself from the beginning, yeah. in my person, I think yeah. so. And that is really interesting of how you, how you can really create that for yourself, support yourself mm. to, to have that. And uh, I think uh, you are full of curiosity. Uh, could you tell a little about your curiosity? What feeds your curiosity and what have fed your curiosity during your life? Well, of course, uh, choosing to be a physician and also being a general practitioner, you have to be curious. You have to have the will wanting to know what people's life are like. And uh, I think I was always curious. I want, always wanted to know more things and do more things. I want to try different things. And uh, that helps uh, in my job. And that's just, like I said, that's always... Uh, you have to be curious, I think. Mm. If you're not, the patients will notice. Mm. And also in the contact with other people. Mm. I always wanted to know what it's like in other countries, in other places, in other professions, in other lives. Do you think life. we can practice to be more curious? Or is it just someone have it or someone don't have it? Or what's your thought? I think you can practice it. And especially in, in, uh, in my work, but also in any meeting with other people, if you think about, I wonder how these people are doing and why does this happen? What happened the other day when, when this, this thing came up and people got involved or they did not get involved? I think you can try to think, I want to know what's behind thing. Mm. I think definitely you can practice it. Mm. You can have a network with people discussing, discussing things mm. like this. Mm. That helps. Mm. Uh, if we still are a little in the private perspective, I think uh, we are both parents and we sometimes talk about that too, how we support our children to, mm. to also have this curiosity and, and live with this. And uh, what's your thoughts around that? Uh, how to coaching young people, children mm. to, to have mm. this with them from the beginning? And mm. I think mainly we can be role models. Mm. I haven't really encouraged or forced my kids to do anything. Sometimes I think perhaps I should have done it more, but I actually didn't. Mm -hmm. I let them try different things and of course I was supportive, but I haven't pushed them into anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, being the way you are, being a role model, of course, mm -hmm. asking questions. Mm -hmm. What do you like? What do you need to do? Mm -hmm. What do you want mm -hmm. to do? Well, I did force them. We went to the mountain skiing every year since they were really small and they wanted to go downhill, of course. But I forced them one, one day every week we were supposed to go cross country, make a tour in the mountains. Oh, I forced lovely. them to that. Oh, that's lovely. So, uh, but I think, can I stop little with one word you said? And that was, you haven't pushed. Mm -hmm. And I think in coaching, it's really, really a deeper understanding that this is not about pushing. 
Could you tell a little about your thoughts around push and pull and... Yeah, I think uh, I sometimes I say I've stopped telling patients to quit smoking because that doesn't help. When I was a young physician I wanted really to work with healthcare and lifestyle and I would be more pushy telling people not to do this and this or to do this instead. But I realized rather quickly it doesn't work. If they don't really want to stop uh, smoking, it doesn't help that I tell them to. Mm -hmm. So what I mean with push is that um, you can you have to give them the knowledge, you have to give them the support to think themselves, I really would like to stop smoking because this is not good for me. Uh, if I tell them to, it doesn't happen anything if they don't really have the, 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 the skill and the, the will to do it. So push and pull yeah you have to push them a little bit to extend your limits in what you can do but you cannot tell them what to do mm. well sometimes if you have someone that is really really sick you might say you just really have to do this otherwise you're gonna die it mm. could be about smoking mm. or so but most of our patients are not there most mm. of them are in the way to become mm. sick or have a lifestyle that they need to change mm. then you have to have these respect in the in this in the conversation about pushing a little bit yes but also make sure what are your thoughts what's your pros and mm. cons if you mm. would quit smoking for mm. example or if or what are pros and cons for you mm. if you would start to do more exercise mm. i i believe a lot uh, in coaching also it is how do you make people uh, make them feel and uh, if I still am in the private perspective a little, you have a lot of network, Lotta, and I have the opportunity to be in one of these network with exercising, and I can see that you are very skillful in, you make us feel that we need to, you little push us, you, you ask for, what is your aim? What do you, what matters to you? What do you really want to accomplish? And with your curiosity for how can I support and, and make this be fun to, to make this happen together in the group? And would you say something about your, you are in different networks, but if we take the private perspective, what, 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 is, your, what is your drive forces for coaching in so many perspectives? Well, First, in this group, Annette, that we were together, I saw that there were a few people that you were one of them that really wanted to make a change. That's why I started. I realized here is someone that wants to make a change, and the change is something that I'm pretty good at. So that's the first, to pick up people that, w that want to commit themselves uh, to, to this. And uh, it's about being a role model, of course, being rather... Uh, encouraging of course be there most of the times and the 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 balance is also if you're a role model it means that you're good at one thing but especially when it comes to physical uh, exercise if you're really good and being strong yourself you could also just put people down the 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 balance of uh, just being taking everyone's breath I'm not saying I'm that good I am not but I'm just saying that's the balance in many aspects, if you're too engaged, if you're too positive, some people just can, oh, I can't take it, you know, they don't like that. Uh, mm. So you have to feel what's good for this group. Mm. Where, how should I put myself mm. in the group of being the leader of this group? Mm. What is good enough and what is too much for them and what is too little? Mm. So I try to think uh, what's good for them, the group and the personality, but also 
I really like it. I love to see people do things straight, stretch in their own mm. cap capacity and feel the joy of, mm. I can do this. Mm. I never forget when you said, Annette, last year, can I call myself a runner now? I said, yes, you can. <laughs> yes. And you were not a runner two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Now you're a runner. Here we go. I'm a runner. I know I said yeah. it's here again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, That's really good. I really want to be yeah. in the group and yet, yeah. of course, leading the group and feel their, feel your, your yeah. joy yeah. of uh, joy. accomplishing yeah. this. But also to be together, of course, yeah. that's the that's that's a network. It's not yeah. only to work with exercise. Yeah. It's to want to be together. Yeah. The fun of moving together. And I think we about should. this, we could take and go further to the next perspective, because it's a lot about empower people. And if I goes to your role now, Lotta, when you are a physician, uh, I have also been. Uh, coming with you, you invited me to be with you when you was a physician and uh, as I work as a strategist I believe go to Gamba is the best thing you can do when you with all humble try to support a system in improvement and quality and so on and I've been very happy for these days when I've been with you and I can see the way you meet the patients and uh, could you tell a little about what is important in the meeting with patients? What is in your mind every time in every meeting? Mm -hmm. Well, first, of course, you have to have lots of medical knowledge and education and experience. That's the first thing, uh, to find diseases and treat and medication, all that. On the other hand, many, even if people are really sick, they need the, 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 how you treat them, how you talk to them. And also many people, they don't have very much illnesses at all, but they don't feel well. Uh, so first I always usually ask them, tell me why you're here today. And sometimes I say, I know why you're here. I read your chart, but I want you to tell with your words why you are here. So I want them to know that I'm prepared. It's not that I don't, that I, it's not that I don't have time to read their chart. I know the medication I'm prepared, but it's important for me to hear how you explain your symptoms. Even sometimes it's the first time, then of course I need to know it sometimes you've been several times with the same thing. So I guess giving the opening of, I will listen to what you are saying in your words, that's one thing. And also I usually ask them, tell me why, why you're here just today. What happened? Why did you call today or last week about, I need to come to the healthcare center because this and this happened. Because sometimes, often there is something in, something behind. It's not that they are just having an ache in their back. It's that they have a, a relative that died from a d prostate cancer or something, and it started with with you know the back ache. I have to know what their worries are. So that's I have my I have two or three of these standard questions when I meet them. Then of course my way of sitting, nothing in between the patient. I, I lean forward and I really look at them and l listen to them and I also I also touch my patients rather much. Of course you have to sense is it okay to touch and when can I touch them and uh, for example when you examine them I usually touch on their back you know so and I also try to think, my, think for myself some of these elderly people they came once a year if it's a widow or so, perhaps it's only once a year that someone touches her. Or she might have also kinds of relatives that touches her, grandkids and others. But I know it's an important meeting for that patient and for me too. 
So my standard questions, I always have them with me, and also the physically how I, how I do the examination, how I sit. And then you have to try to be quiet. We usually want to talk so much ourselves, but do be quiet, let them talk. And if there's a different question or you think something might be wrong here, continue being quiet and mm. then something else will come. Mm. I also was reflecting when I was with you some weeks ago that you are extremely present when you have the patients, the, the dialogue with the patients. No computer, nothing like that. You, you really, really focused on this present, be there. Uh, and I think that is amazing. And I also think it, it had been good if this podcast had been with FaceTime, because you, I don't know if this is Swinglish, but I say body language. You, you see and you feel when you, when you have this meeting with a person, how engaged is this person? in the dialogue and, and you really are skilled. I, I, I really appreciate to see the way you create this connection because it's a lot about connection because I believe so much trust built mm. on that. It's not only that you have that question or that, but it's the everything coming together, how you connect the meeting every time or what do you believe about trust and yeah it's yeah it's very much about trust and, and trust is usually it comes from could be knowing one for a longer time but it could also be in a moment you can build up trust rather quickly and uh, uh, so that's something i really like i don't specifically think about it but i really do like to hear and i, I want to be engaged and that's difficult when you see one patient, then you go from one room to another, there's another one. So you have to every time try to, to think, just forget everything that was 10 minutes ago, just now I'm just here. So that's of course you have to train and be aware of. And many, many patients I've seen for several years and then you know them. So what's important there is to have these conversations, of course about uh, symptoms and diagnosis and medications, but you have to know what about their parents or if it's a younger person or their grandkids or their, their spouse. So you have to know what about the husband, what does he, does he do to you and what does she does to you. The more you know your patients, the more you can get into these uh, respectful and trusty um, conversations that sometimes are really important even for the heavy medical mm. problems. And of course it is for all these people that have no medication or no diseases, but they feel unwell. Mm. So, and also at the end of my conversation, I always try to finish with, is there anything else you thought about or to know what happens now? I want them to feel when they left, when they leave, that even if they didn't give a receipt or a prescription or an x-ray, whatever, they're going to at least feel that I've been listened to and seen. Mm. And that's actually also the... That's the, the, the interpretation of the, the uh, you know, the, how you work as a physician, the mm. art of mm. medicine, and we also have mm. that in my, mm. in my organization. Mm. And uh, a question I often reflect around is that, how can we with all humble support the system? Because every system is perfect designed for the result it gives. So we not uh, come into the situation where you, where you think it's about a checklist, I have done my, my part, or, or you know. And I could see when I was with you, 
the way you saw with the present, you could say, I will call her. I, I, I call her. A nurse come and you have a dialogue. I call her. And in a very, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but in a simple way, you just take the phone and you said, hello, uh, Lena, how is it today? Or, or what you name it was or, or so on. And, and I just called from the primary care center. I'm your physician and I could see you had some thoughts and some questions today around your health and, and tell me a little and you make it so, believe me, I don't know if it's the right word, but you, you don't make it so complicated with all this. You, you go directly and that is to be present and not just follow checklist. What is the way we do it? Because you could see someone has a worries here and I need to be there now. Mm. Yeah, I think that first I'm rather problem-oriented. Mm. I want to solve problems. But also, it's a good question, Annette, because now when I start thinking about it, I think that I easily can think, if I don't do this, what happens then? And it's not to lift up my self-capacity, it's not what I mean, but I know being a physician, have, have worked for quite some time, I know that this is rather easy for me. And if I don't do it, it's going to be really complicated for the nurse because she doesn't know the patient. She can't answer the question about the medication and about this complicity. And also I know how patients, well, of course, they react in different ways. But I know also how, how grateful it is for the patient if we physicians or we working in healthcare take time to call them and get in touch quickly. So I think it's a, it's a combination of having a rather good knowledge of how people, how they work, what they want. And also, I know the whole system. I know it's easier for me and it's difficult for my colleague, friend, nurse, so-and-so in this very question. Then, of course, I do it. Because, mm. yeah, mm. that's. I think that drives me. Mm. Uh, I also know you, you work a lot with promises in your whole primary care organizations and everyone should know their next step. So mm -hmm. when I listen to you, I can see it's not only in the relationship between the physician and the patients, it's also between employees. So everyone mm -hmm. should know and make it easy for the yeah. next step. So no one will be frustrated and not mm -hmm. knowing what to do and, and, and so on. So would you say something about your promises? Mm -hmm. what, what is mm -hmm. built in for values behind them? Yeah, um, we, 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 uh, it was about, uh, I think it's about eight years ago that we tried to find out what is important for us in our healthcare centers, uh, how should we work and what would be our promise or, or what we, our vows with the inhabitants, the people that are sometimes patients, sometimes we call them people because they are people and humans and now and then they get sick. And we thought, I realized that what's really important for them is to know what happens after they have left our healthcare center. So one thing was, yeah, the art of medicine that I told you about, that to, they're supposed to be, to feel that they have been very well behave, uh, met and treated and it, with the medical uh, quality and, and professionalism, and also to know what is the next step. Because I know also in the telephone, uh, one of our healthcare centers, the bigger ones, they could have perhaps 250 telephone calls in a day. And we, we worked with these pin, you know, to see how many of them was about, I don't know what happens. I was there yesterday and I don't know. The doctor didn't tell me, the nurse didn't tell me. Am I supposed to call? Where's the x-ray? It's going to be in Jönköping or Ekfö or 
who is when I'm going to come the next day. I realized there were so many of those calls that were unnecessary. At least it happened about worry. It, it was about worries or communications. So then we decided we have to, I tell them, you can do whatever you like, but just make sure that when the patient leave you, or it could be in the phone also, uh, make sure that he or she knows what is the next step. Mm. Sometimes you need a really big note because mm. they uh, don't listen or they don't hear. Most people won't have it written. Or perhaps some you have to call them back mm. and say, do you know what happened mm. yesterday? Mm. I just want to remind you that mm. uh, don't forget you're mm. supposed to check mm. your, your blood pressure three times and then mm. I will call mm. you back. So that's the deeper understanding for what we name person-centered care that you really... Yeah. Would mm -hmm. you say you have a partnership? Would your patients uh, who are at the primary care center say that we have a partnership, healthcare and them? De do you mean the, the caregivers yeah, the and, caregivers our patients? and the patients? Oh, definitely. I think you should. I don't think you always need to because some of our patients, they just need help really quick and it doesn't really matter. And the, mm -hmm. the, the who it is doesn't matter so much as if they just get the help right mm. now. We know those, we have those mm. patients too, lots of them, for example, in the digital yeah. forms, that could be a good form. But many people, many patients, especially elderly, or at least everyone that has some complexity, definitely they, knew they do need a partnership. It could be with me, it could be with a nurse, it could be with a team, it could be with, a, with the healthcare center itself, they feel that this is where I belong, I feel safe when I call, they help me. And so we ha that's what the whole primary care is about. It's about bonding, mm. building up relationships, mm. being professional, mm. medical mm. knowledge, quality, mm. patient security. Mm. And the, the bonding mm. is so important. And that's not the only reason, but sometimes mm. I tell the young doctors, if you have a really good behavioral and you call back and you make sure to listen, sooner or later you make what we could call mistakes, mm. but also it happened to, oh, is this what happened? Mm. In our 15 minute meeting yesterday, I couldn't mm. realize that this, this is what's, what's mm. gonna be. Mm. Then you need to have mm. been bonding mm. so that you still have yeah. a good relationship so the patient won't say yeah. that physician is yeah. bad. Yeah. She yeah. missed this and this diagnosis and also, yeah. you know, we yeah. don't bond well. Yeah. So both things together. Yeah. So before we should go to the next perspective, I would like to have one more question around this who I'm very curious about. We are now in a transformation to transformation to go for more open healthcare and more support people to use, be aware about their own resources, what they can do to stay healthy. And when they get sick, what can they do for themselves and with their network as supporting them and then have a more support role from, from healthcare. And, uh, what is your thoughts around this, not see patients as patients are at the moment, but also coaching them to bring themselves back to a healthy and, and support with the prevention work? Mm -hmm. what, what is the key thing you believe in that? Well, I think uh, now there are a few years that we have started talking about, you know, with Sora Riga and other people that in your life, in my life of 365 days, perhaps two hours of those at the most belong to me as a doctor. Belong, it doesn't, but when I see you. I think that um, that sentence has meant a lot for us to realize that, oh yeah, just a very short time that I see you and how am I supposed to, uh, to change anything with you or for you? Because all other days are with other people and in your own life. So, that has been a good sort of knowledge for us. And also in 
just to change your question instead of saying, how can I help you on it? Say, what do you think about that? I mean, before we did it for you and it didn't work because then you didn't have your own uh, support. You didn't really need to yourself because Lotta's going to do it. No, it doesn't work. So just in changing our questions in our way of thinking, and I've done that rather actively and we talk about often, for one, because we don't have time to help so many, if you're in that aspect, but also, of course, because we see it doesn't work. Mm. So to support, encourage, sometimes give knowledge. I could say, Annette, would you like to know what it means? You don't mm. smoke, so it's not for you, Annette, mm. but to a smoker, mm. I can ask you, do you know about the side effects mm. of smoking? Mm. Do you want me to tell you about that? Mm. No, I don't want to know. Okay. Perhaps next time. Mm. I will give the knowledge about what could happen about smoking. You should say most people don't get lung cancer, mm. but most smokers do get uh, cool, and that's no fun either. Mm. So being informative when you're ready for it, mm. and also, but mainly encourage, mm. what would that be for you? How could mm. you do that? Mm. So I, I think I could talk forever around this because I'm so curious to, to, to really be in these questions. but. That makes me take us to the next perspective. With everything you know have been talking about in your private uh, life and what's formed and also as a physician and now we come to this to this big transformation support and empower people to to really do what they can do for themselves and so how do you coach your managers to have this perspective and to set the system from the point of view where you believe the values is in place, not sometimes, but every time, in every mm. meeting, every person. Mm. Well, we have our one lines, I think we all do in different aspects. And one for me is, I, I, someone told me this, you know, about just the easy thing to say that every meeting, every meeting uh, is important. To think that it's not just every tenth or two out of ten. Every time you meet a patient, it's important how it turns out. And also, about the, the managers, one thing I always talk about leadership and I always talk about patients. I think for myself, have you mentioned patients, Lotta? Have you talked about inhabitants? Have you talked about care? Not to forget, since I now work through my 25 managers, I must, of course, I talk about economy and HR and about uh, uh, different things with uh, organization, all this. And I really strongly talk about patients as much as I ever can to, to support them in and not to forget it's about every little meeting. Then, of course, like you're saying, we're going to work in the bigger perspective. Many healthcare centers are also going to see what happens in the national aspects. You have to know that, of course. So that whole range of being in the small details and in the, the more uh, big aspects, I try to think about that most often. And also with our, my, my managers, I um, try to be, of course, that sounds well, listening person. And I, want, I need to know about their healthcare center itself, but also their own pedigree. I want to know their own private, personal, environments, not about everything, of course, but in order to support people, you have to know a little bit more about them. That's why I get into that. And it's the same with the patients. If I don't know, I had a woman many years ago that had a, a husband that was alcoholic. And before I knew that, I couldn't help her. 
you know, that's why mm. she came all the time mm. with her anxiety and all that. So about the managers, uh, we try to talk in both aspects, or there are not only two aspects, but we, I really try to, to show both, the importance of both things, having the helicopter perspective as well as what is it today? It's every employer that they employ, they have every meeting should be as good as possible. Um, and to, to set this bigger picture that we need to do now the transformation where we should have it's a lot of focus of primary care mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and how do you support the managing this because mm -hmm. it's also a, a every day coming and have a lots of in its agenda oh, yeah. and and yeah. to to also empower leaders to believe i will have my energy to to make this job happen mm -hmm. how do you coach that well um <clears throat> it's interesting because it's a, it's also balance about to pity people or to encourage and to to really conform that we have great jobs. Uh, so because sometimes they are really it is really difficult. It's very hard to 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 run a healthcare center. I did it for almost six years myself, and I'm sure it's harder since I was there because they can really it's economy is rougher, but. Uh, you have to have both those sides too to to make sure that they know that I know it's difficult for you that they have the knowledge that's very important so you don't pretend like I don't know what it's like you have to do it anyway so I have to to persuade them that I know what it's like to go with them for some time but not as far as saying oh pity you so when I conform confirm that I know what it's like for them and I can't know it exactly of course but to a rather extent then we can also talk about how to solve it how to be encouraging how to choose the right attitude and have the braveness to still do it and that I will be there to support them still it's being out on the island you're by yourself when you're a leader and we talk about that pretty much and they have to like it they have chosen it themselves. It's a great job. Life is not just up and down. Life is difficult. Mm -hmm. Life is challenging. And mm -hmm. you have to realize that. Otherwise, you would think, oh my goodness, why is this so difficult? Oh, it's terrible. Well, life is terrible now and then, quite often, actually. Mm -hmm. And then other times, it's really good. So you have to have that variety in your knowledge of what is, what's your, what, do you, what did you expect of this job? Mm. This is how it is. Mm. And you can also form it. Lotta, I really like to have this talk and, and you give a lot of inspiration and you are a role model. And uh, I think we should just end up with to say to be continued and this will be a good day. Thank you Lotta for coming and have this dialogue. Thank you for being Thank part you. of this. Thank you, Annette. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden. <laughs>